Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Time as we concluded our Ladies with Dignity. Um, this year was a spectacular time because this year we had more people coming in from outside than actually uh, young girls from the church. We had uh, 12 girls from the church were first-time ladies with dignity participants, but there was like 25 girls that came from outside to our ladies with dignity. And they were received and met with the alumni. Uh, there was about 25 alumni. Uh, one thing is for you to receive from the Lord. How many have received from the Lord during your time that you've been in Christ, right? You've received from the Lord. That is great, but much greater is when you give to somebody else what you've received. So 25 girls decided that they would take out three days and come and participate with those new girls and give those new girls what they received in previous years. Um, I, can't, I can't thank the Lord enough and thank those that participated, the conference speakers, the supporting staff, um, all those that came out and gave of their time and their talents the treasures to those young girls. Um, and we'll never know the eternal effects and the transition taking place in the lives of those young girls. Um, when we were youth pastors, now I have to say many years ago, um, when we were youth pastors, we had a dynamic. And this was our dynamic at youth group. Ready? If you interrupted the person that was next to you, if you entertained them and talked to them, to distract them from what God wanted to give them, you were invited not to stay. Because it was so important that in a moment's time, God wanted to give someone something so important that we wouldn't allow anybody to take it from them or distract them from it. And, and it, many times we would have to say, you know something, I'm just going to shout out this warning. If you are distracting the person next to you, you're going to be invited to wait for them outside in the parking lot until they receive from God what God has for them. And, and I truly think that these three days for these young girls was phenomenal. Because for many of them, they, they wouldn't have been able to receive what they received outside of Ladies with Dignity. And so we thank uh, everyone who's participated. It's just all across the board. Um, one of the things that I'm reminded about today, it's good that we're here. How many are glad that you're here? Okay, so that's, that's an accomplishment. And, and the fact that we showed up is a huge accomplishment because some people decided not to come today or some people decided they'll never come. So coming is a great part of it. Now, better than coming, you want to know what's better than coming? Is staying. See, because a lot of us that says we're here today, they're not going to stay or somehow or another they'll find their way to be distracted and go on to the next place. Now, being here is great. Staying here is better. But working here is the greatest part. You know what I'm saying? Um, the statistics are clear, and it's sad. We, we have to talk about them because it's, it's a true state of affairs. Um, only two out of ten people work at church. So if I were to count ten people, it says you're not working here, ten people. And, and only two out of the ten, that means eight people just come to church, but they don't work at church. Um, the statistics are like this, and this is in America. I don't know elsewhere if it's better or not, but only two out of ten people tithe. That means they take their money out 
and they give to the Lord what belongs to him. What for? To further and, and to um, allow the work of God to prosper. So two out of ten people actually faithfully participate in tithing. One lady says, well, I don't tithe because I sponsor a whale in Australia. It goes by Australia every summer and in June, and I, I give that whale $100,000. She sponsors a whale. Okay, well, thank you uh, for sponsoring the whale. Meanwhile... Uh, we really need to be able to foster the responsibility. Those of you that are parents know what it is to support a home, right? You know what it is to support a home. Um, it seems to be that we're grabbing all our money and throwing it in that direction. It's like, okay, here's for the kid's school. Here's for food. Here's for the mortgage. Here's for the car payments. And, and we're, we're, we, don't, we don't see money. We're just putting it in the direction of our family, in the direction of our home. This is our spiritual home. And God has figured it out real good that if everyone does their part, giving to the Lord what belongs to the Lord, two promises. The work of God is going to prosper, and God is going to prosper you. Amen. And he challenges you to try him. I, I love to hear George Caracol's testimony. He, he went into a church uh, many years ago, and the, and the pastor says, I uh, try tithing for 90 days. And if at the 90-day mark you haven't seen the glory of God, then just give it up forever, right? You know what happened in those 90 days? The spiritual work that God did in the life of this family, in his marriage, in his business, in his prosperity are untold. Just huge doors begin to open. I mean, gigantic doors. Things that, that, that were stuck for years, not going anywhere. And so I see the faithfulness of God upon those. And throughout the years, we've seen this. We've seen those that are faithful to God. God is faithful to prosper and to bless them and to resolve issues that, that many times are difficult to resolve. Um, so be faithful to God in that regards. But uh, getting into the ladies with dignity scenario, I'm super I'm, I'm one of those guys that say that if the church is not impacting their generation, let's close the front door. We, we have no right to exist as a church if we're not impacting the lives of people. I'm not talking about small impact, life-changing, world-changing impact. And so I, I'm, I'm blessed. A, a lot of the families that came and brought their daughters are not Christians. And so they come into the setting and they're like, why do these people care about my daughter? Why are they safeguarding my daughter's uh, physical attributes, her appearance? Why do they care about her learning to grow? And the testimonies are phenomenal. Um, so we're going to try and get a, a little uh, clip of, of that uh, occurrence in the coming days. Um, the other thing is uh, this week we will be uh, traveling to Buenos Aires, Argentina. It'll be our third time that we go there. Um, just just phenomenal that the nations of the earth are calling us to invite us to be a part of their restoration and renewal. That to me is huge. Uh, that we are invited back is even more powerful. Um, and, and so we will be there from Wednesday and uh, through Saturday. There's going to be the largest family, they call it Congreso para la Familia, together with a uh, we were going to be there, I believe, uh, the pastor Guillermo Milagro, Sixto Porras, um, uh, Adrian Jr., 
Adrian Jr. used to be like the Julio Iglesias amongst the Argentinians. He was a pop singer. He was really cool, and the Lord saved him. And uh, now he's a pastor. He has one of the largest churches in Buenos Aires. He enjoys the respect and the honor of many of the pastors there uh, amongst the Assemblies of God. And, and the seed that is being sown there is, is transforming that nation. So keep us in your prayers. I'll be going there with Yvette, uh, and, and we'll be there with many pastors. Uh, I think Andres Panasuk is going to be there. Uh, there's a guy named Kualo Samora who's a worshiper, um, really powerful. And, and so we, we're going to enjoy our time together and continue to take the message of what is a man. Uh, also, the, the fraternal... It's called the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers, Policemen, Firemen, First Rescue, Rescue Responders. Um, they invited us this week on Thursday to share at their monthly meeting. And there was over 30 police officers and from all over Dave County, Miami Beach, Pinecrest, Hialeah, uh, South Miami, uh, City of Miami, Miami-Dade. Uh, and we were invited to share with them the the message on, on becoming more like Christ and to be a, a, what is a man. So it was a powerful night and, and they invited us over. Uh, police officers, for, with all due respect to police officers here in our church, they're very, they've seen the dark side of humanity. So when they see somebody coming to talk to them, they're like, yeah, buddy, right. Very cynical, very standoffish. They don't wanna hear from anybody, um, but they were super open super open to the gospel and super glad to have been there and um, I was able to fill up my cell phone with a lot of uh, cell phone numbers because they want to talk to somebody about their marriage about their family about their children and so uh, the God just continues to uh, open our influence in our community to bless those that serve to bless those that protect and you never know the benefit of a police officer until you have to dial 911. When you, when you have to dial those three numbers, you start saying thank you that there is actually somebody to call. And so we thank God for their lives and, and uh, just let them know that for us, there are heroes. Uh, Romans 13 says that these are ministers of God to address injustice and things that are out of our order in, in our community. They're, they're ministers. Um, let's get into the word of God today. The Word of God is so powerful, uh, so rich. The promise of the Word of God is that if you meditate, and a lot of people are, are oh, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'll tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. If you meditate on God's Word day and night, everything's going to prosper. That's, that's just, that's just there's no way out. Uh, when, you, when you put that reality in your life, and it was actually the first verse that I, I, I learned, uh, I was really concerned in my adolescent years and coming out of the adolescent years, how I would prosper. Lord, what is your formula for prosperity? And it's there. In Psalm 1, verse 2, it says, He who delights in the law of the Lord day and night. This is night and day, day and night, night and day, day and night. If you delight yourself in God's law and you meditate upon it, if your meditation is in the Word of God, you don't have to worry about clients. You don't have to worry about your bottom line or your budget. You don't have to worry about uh, the issues that confront you in life because the Bible says the person who does this, um, verse 3 says, he will be like a tree planted next to the rivers of the water who brings forth fruit in its season and his leaf will not wither. 
lot of people are withering in their business and in their life, in their prosperity and success. But whatever, it doesn't matter what you do. If you're doing it according to God's word, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be successful. You're going to prosper. And in the Bible, prosperity was the same thing as peace. Prosperity equaled peace. That means you're not going to have to worry about your finances. They'll be taken care of. You won't have to worry about your belongings. They'll be taken care of. You won't have to worry about your stewardship, your family, because it will be taken care of. But now the commitment is, are we meditating? Are we living life in regards to the order of his word? Um, meditating, washing yourself. Um, one of the things that we do plenty often is at, at the least read a chapter of Proverbs a day. There's 31 of them, one for each day of the month. Re take time out, take five minutes, 10 minutes, and spend your day reading a proverb. And that way your thoughts will line up. When there's controversy, when there's issues taking place, you just do what the Word of God says. And you embrace that order. And there's three things you receive from there. Peace, joy, and righteousness. Things will fall in their place. Father, we thank you this morning. We dismiss the children back to Sunday school. Father, we thank you this morning for your, for your goodness in our lives. We give you thanks for the opportunity to live for your glory. We give you thanks to be in the house of God. We thank you for all the amenities that you have repaired and restored and renewed as we have fixed your house and we've made it pleasant. We've made it comfortable. We've made it clean. We pray today, Lord, that your word would issue forth through this pulpit, through your servant, O oh God, that your word would be clear and concise, that we might receive your word, that it would order our steps, that our thoughts might be ordained and ordered of the Lord. Remove all confusion, distraction, every spirit of fear, all distress, the high stress of a life in modern times distant from God. Allow your word to be a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet that we might walk orderly and, and, and cautiously in the direction of your instruction. Father, forgive us our sins. Come to bring, to bring us to a place where we, we repent and we say no further living without you, without having you and the fear of God in our thoughts. Father, we have been so uh, stumbled and so ensnared by the deception, the temptation, the desires of the flesh, O oh God, that we pray, O oh God, that your spirit might saturate us today and break the yoke of sin, break the yoke of pride, break the yoke that enslaves us to selfishness, and fill us with your spirit, O oh God, with wisdom and truth. Open up our lives to know you and to be known by you that we might walk and fulfill the order of our calling. We give you thanks for being in the house of God. We give you thanks for the, the gathering of your people. We give you thanks for hearts turned towards you and obedience and submission and receiving in your instruction in all things, Lord, that we might grow up and be an example and a light to this world. Prosper your word in our hearts. Let it be the bread of life that nourishes our spirit. Let it be the double-edged sword that cuts us in places which we need surgical uh, improvement and, and, and provision, oh God. Allow your word to do its work in our hearts so that we not sin against you. Give us understanding and allow us to flourish and be fruitful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I was um, just in a, 
area of the United States, Hawaii, and we were contemplating a little island called Lanai, and for years Lanai was a, a pineapple plantation. That means all the 3,000 people that lived on that island, all they did for the last 50 years was to grow pineapples. They were pineapple experts. Uh, it was an island owned by this man who, who uh, was living in Hawaii called Dole, uh, Mr. Dole, D-O-L-E, and, and it became famous, the Dole Pineapple. And they, he, they would cut it, they would prepare it, they would can it, and they would send it around the world. But uh, recently, about five years ago that we visited the island for the first time, it stopped being a pineapple plantation. Now it's a resort. Uh, they have two resorts there, and they, they did some negotiations where all the plantation uh, families have now become uh, resort experts. And so they, they run the hotels and they, they continue to thrive in that regard. It was part of the sales contract. Mr. Dole says, I'll sell you the island if you promise to employ all the inhabitants of the island perpetually for as long as they live in your hotels. And so now they, they practice other things. My concern is that all those fields out there are barren land now. There's no fruit on them. It's just, it looks like a desert. Um, it looks like a, a distant place of desolation. And while at one time the, the harvest and the fruitfulness of that land served glorious purposes upon the earth, I, I had a little bit of pineapple. Maybe that's why I'm preaching this, this uh, tonight. Last night I just sliced the pineapple up and had a couple slices. I want to tell you that, that the saddest thing that could happen and now projecting to spring of life is that we cease to cultivate the land and the harvest God has given us. God has given us excellent seed. God has given us world-changing seed. God has made our soil, our hearts. I'm fascinated how the hearts of men and women that come in this place so easily take on to the seed and their lives are transformed in an instant. We've seen this happen over the last 16 years in a marvelous way. Good seed in good soil produces good fruit that produces good harvest. And then the opposite is true. Bad seed in bad soil produces bad fruit that produces bad harvest. And I do not want to participate for one instance. A lot of people see me very, very, um, very, um, you could even say angry. Very, very, very upset in a manner that causes me to, to move in a direction that um, I, I, was, I was talking to, with one of the couples here at church. He invited his, his son to come to church. And when they left, uh, he asked his dad, why is that pastor so angry? Why is he so upset? And, and I am, and I'm, I'm, I'm in, intensely serious about what we're doing in this place. And, and not for a second do I want anything to fall out of the order of God. Um, Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 17, verse 19, he says, don't you understand that, that you're not going to be able to do the work of the Lord just because you want to. It's not just going to come to pass in a moment's notice. He says, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we not cast out? these demons? Why was there obstacles in our course? Why was there difficulties in our direction of fulfilling our purpose? They wanted to take those demons out. And Jesus said like this in verse 20, he says, uh, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, he's going to start talking about the issue that everything starts with a seed and you were not successful in your endeavors and you didn't get to where you were going and you couldn't achieve the purpose of God because the seed 
was not there. He says, if you had faith like a mustard seed, then you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will be moved for nothing will be impossible for you. What, what is important and for, for the life of the last hundred years, Christians have been going around with a little mustard seed in some private part of their body or in their pockets and they're saying, you know something, this is, this is what Jesus says, if, if I have a mustard seed, then, then I'm gonna be able to live faith in large and proportion. And listen, it's not, a, it's not a mustard seed as what you can do with a mustard seed, which means to cultivate it. Jesus says, if you're not cultivating a spiritual life, if it's not growing, if it's not thriving, how do you think you're gonna walk up to a demon and tell him to leave? You haven't cultivated that strength of authority. You haven't cultivated that sense of spirituality. And for many years, Christians have, have said, oh, if only I got that little mustard seed and, and, and I put it in my purse or I put it in my pocket and I rub it a couple times. And No. Christ is saying you better learn the principles of harvest and seed time. You better learn the principles of the fact that if you don't cultivate something, you're not going to have its fruit. You're not going to have its crop. You're not going to have its uh, harvest. What we have in spring of life is a harvest of a cultivation that's been a lifetime of pursuing. We have pursued the seriousness of God, so we're getting the seriousness of the return of serious seed put into serious hearts and getting forth a serious harvest. So that is, that is the place where we start, where you have to start now understanding that, that this Christianity is not rubbing the, the magical lamp or getting to say some three words that are magical or trying to, to rub along something to get luck and, and to become lucky. I wish I was as lucky as a pastor. Uh, people have told me in Yvette for years, I wish we had a marriage like yours. I said, you better cultivate it. You better be careful what you sow because you're going to reap what you sow. You better be careful what land you throw that stuff in instead of making sure it lands in the heart. It cannot be something offshoot. And, and so I want to talk about that this morning. I want to go back to Genesis chapter, um, let's try uh, chapter 2, verse 4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. God starts at the beginning. God always wants you to start at the beginning. Those people that start along halfway down the road are lost for the entire route. I remember in school when I would miss a lesson or two or three, when I came at the fourth session, these guys were talking Chinese. I didn't understand what the heck was going on. You cannot start something halfway into it. You can't surmise that you're going to be able to fall in line if you don't start at the beginning. And here at the beginning, the history of the heavens and the earth, when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. There were things that were, were, were destined and ordained by God since day one. Verse 5, it says, when no plant of the field, there wasn't the first mustard seed, mustard plant, mustard fruit, there was nothing. Before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any of the herbs in the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to work the ground. That was the reality. In verse 6 it says, There was a mist that came up from the land and watered the whole surface of the ground. Okay, so we know there's no plants, there's no fruit, and God hadn't caused it to be fruitful or have a harvest or a crop until first, in verse 7, the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils, and the man became a spirit life and became a living soul, a living being. And it was there in verse 8 that says, the Lord God planted a garden, and that garden was called Eden. And there... In verse 8, he says, he put the man whom he had formed. 
Where did he put the man? In a garden. You don't put a man in a garden unless you have the, the wherewithal to tell him you're to tend, guard, cultivate the garden. So from the first for, from the first existence of man, God has placed him in a garden with the purpose that he would be an expert. What do you do in a garden? You cultivate it. That's where he put man. And the Bible says there in verse 9, And out of the ground the Lord made to grow every tree that was pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life is also in the center of the garden and the tree of knowledge of the good and evil, blessing and calamity. Verse 15 says, And the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to tend it and to keep it, to cultivate, to make sure that the ground was well, to make sure that it was worthy to that which he would put into it as he kept that garden, which was a seed, to make sure that it would grow. And so we want to say here that, that life is about the aspect of seed time and harvest time. These are the orders of God for every person. And, and for while many of us are always blaming other people for what's growing in our garden, the truth of the matter is you're the full substance of every seed that has fallen in your heart and every seed that you have allowed to be in your heart, um, whether it comes from somebody else or whether it comes from you. Find out who's trying to throw seed in your garden. Uh, often I visit my daughter's room and, and I'll go in there and I'll, I'll go through her life. I'll go through her cell phone. I'll go through, through her, her, the books she's reading. I want to find out what seeds are being thrown in that heart. It's my responsibility. I can't wake up surprised one day and say, oh my God. What do you mean, oh my God? No, find out what seed fell in there. Find out who is allowing seed to fall. Let's find out what's happening in the life of our family, of our marriage. Some, some man uh, was surprised to see his wife wake up one day and take off with another woman. And, and he's like, how did this happen to me? My friend, what was happening in your marriage in the years previous to that? Don't be in shock. Whatever a man sows, he shall reap. God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. These things are not happening by, just by the fly of the moment. But these laws are in existence John chapter 4 verse 37 Jesus says for in this instance the saying is true someone is sowing and another one is reaping one sows another reaps who's throwing seeds in your garden who's throwing seeds listen to me my life and expression is not something miraculous it's just the seeds that have been sown and the harvest that's been reaped it's, it's just like that you cultivate your marriage you cultivate your family you cultivate the church and this is why we guard and tend our gardens. One sows and another reaps. Verse 38, John 4, 38. I sent, to you to re I sent you to reap what you did not work for. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. What does that mean? It was recently, about five years ago, that I was sitting in a place and the pastor was saying, you know something? We should be appreciative of former generations in our life the which we are reaping the fruit of goodness from the price they paid on the land and I said you know something my father-in-law is sitting right behind me and I have never thanked him for having raised up my wife which I enjoy I have never said thank you for the disciplines you went before me many years preparing a heart, preparing a personality, preparing a person that now I stand to enjoy the fruit of that young girl. So I turned around to him with tears in my eyes. I said, hey, suegro, 
And he's like, what's wrong with you? I said, I've never thanked you for all the hard work you put into that now I am enjoying. And he just broke down and began to cry. And you know something? He's a young man without a father. He was an orphan, sent over here from Cuba at 17. But he was able to always keep himself away from evil. He was always able to, to in, in the midst of, of drug dealers and, and the, the atmosphere of orphan Cubans here in South Florida, he always took the high road. He gave his heart to the Lord. He gave his marriage to the Lord. He would take his family to church. And here I come into that harvest and I enjoyed the fruits of his labor and had never thanked him for 15 years. So I turned around, gave him a big hug. I said, listen, thank you for what you did, which now I enjoy. Thank you, because even, even my, the fact, I told him, I said, even the fact that my children have a mother like they have is because of your labor, your discipline. You have cultivated well. You have kept your garden, and I appreciate it. So that's where we begin to enjoy the fruits of the labors of those around us. And, and um, that really important, listen to what it says about the United States. Western civilization must admit that the blessings we have enjoyed in Western world of freedom and law, of ministering to the suffering poor and like are all the byproduct of Christianity in our godly heritage. America rests upon four cornerstones. Listen well. This nation rests upon the four cornerstones of the English Bible, the English language, the common law, and the traditions of liberty. But liberty, language, and law might have been drawn from the Bible alone. Had we brought nothing with us across the sea besides this supreme book called the Bible, we might still have been great. Without this book, America could not have become what she is. When she loses its guidance and wisdom talking about the Bible, we will no longer have America. It's what godly men sowed into this nation that allows us to have the peace and the joy to wake up in the morning without bombs going off and terrorists running the streets. It's, it's the Bible. To the south, we have South America. And they arrived at the same time sowing different seeds and brought different results in harvest. It has been said that South America was settled by Spanish who came to the land in search of gold, seeking the lust of greed. And it says that North America was settled by pilgrim fathers who came in search of God and to do the will of God. This is what has made the difference in the, the, the harvest that we have in South America and, and, and the lust and the, the desire for, for uh, hoarding wealth and depriving and what we have in America, what we have in a godly tradition and nation. What has been sown gives forth the fruit. The far-reaching implications of these choices affect our children, our family, our friends. Many times we don't realize it. But people say, you know something, I'm so scared, I don't want to sow anything. I, I just don't even know what to sow. I don't know where to sow. I don't know when to sow. And there Hosea chapter 8 verse 7 says, those who sow the wind, you decided you're, you're not going to take a preference to anything. It says, they who sow the wind reap the whirlwind. You're like, why, why did this happen in my life? Why, does it, why is there so much destruction? Why is, are my children rebellious? Why are they disobedient? You decided not to do anything, sir. You decided to forego the instruction to train up your children in the ways of the Lord. To bring them to the house of God. To let them see in your life the example, the admonishment of the Christian faith. 
And it says, therefore, there is no stock. It shall never produce meal. It should, if it should produce it, the aliens will swallow it up. Even if you have amazing offspring, because you did not sow godly seed, you're not going to have a godly harvest. You're not going to have honor when you sow dishonor. As my children have seen our deference to the ways of God, they're able to see in life how they're to have deference to the ways of their fathers. As they see us being obedient to God, they become obedient to their fathers. Your children cannot follow an example they do not have. They cannot follow that course. In Jeremiah 5.24, it says like this, They do not say in their heart, let us now fear God, because they have not seen the one who gives rain, the former and the latter in its season. He has reserved appointed weeks of harvest. If we would have taught our children these principles, I thank God, listen to me, at the age of 16, I was introduced to the Christian church. I thank God, uh, the compilation of the, the immensity of the seed that has fallen through the years, the seed of wisdom, the seed of truth, the seed of faithfulness, that begins to cultivate a harvest of blessing, of prosperity. And so he says, because they decided to say in their heart, they, uh, they do not say in their heart, let us fear God. Let us walk in the ways of sowing and reaping. Let us understand the principles of God upon the earth. And so Galatians 6 verse 7 says, do not be deceived. Don't let anything fool you. God will not be made fun of. That word mock in the Greek spe speaks of the high nose. The, the, the word comes from a word, um, I don't even want to pronounce it to not make it its mistake, but it means a nose that is lifted towards God. Like, you're like I, you know, I don't have to listen to you. You're, you're disrespecting God. You do not adhere to his instruction. You do not thrive to understand what he wants. Whatever a man sows, he shall reap. Whatever a man puts into the ground, he shall reap. Verse 8 says, if you sow to the carnal flesh, you shall reap rot, corruption, things that smell, that are a stench. But if you sow to the spirit, you're for sure going to reap those things that concern the spirit to have an abundant life, a, a life full of an expression. What happens when we disregard these principles in Matthew 13, 25 says, while the man slept, there was somebody else throwing seed and sowing tares in his garden. While you were not concerned about cultivating the heart of your family, cultivating the hearts of your daughter, cultivating your marriage, cultivating your family, their enemy came and sowed tares in these places and, the, and uh, among the wheat and went his way. We got to be careful with that. As we read books like The Decline and the Fall of the Roman Empire, this book was written by Edward Gibbon in 1787. He took 20 years to study the decline and the fall of the Roman Empire. He said, rest assured that what a nation sows, it shall reap. He attributed the fall of the empire to rapid increase of divorce undermining the dignity and the sanctity of the family and the home as the basis of human society. The first thing the Roman Empire did is begin to, to make a mess out of marriage. They didn't keep it within the sanctity of its covenant. Number two, they raised taxes in order to raise the spending of public monies for free bread and circuses, entertainment for the populace. Number three, the mad craze for pleasure. Sporting events became all the more, uh, more exciting. 
The fury for sporting events became live. If you see the amount of money spent for athletes in our day and age, that sufficiently says the order of our priority, where we have put our values, where we have put uh, over here at FIU, uh, with all due respect, they have put all the athletes in state-of-the-art, top, top, top penthouses, all decorated, all fitted, and the, the scientists, the, the history, the math, the engineers are all over there with the old dorms, showing the disparity of the values that we give in our day and age, that we have risen sporting. If, if I were to say we're going to watch the Super Bowl on this screen, our church would be packed out. People are moving in the, in the expression of, of athletic performance and not in character. These athletes have no character. They, do, they, they go walk around saying, I'm not going to be a role model. I'm not going to be an example to the next generation. We don't need to be sitting at the feet of these men watching them do anything, much less throwing a ball when they're leaving their wives, much less going to watch them at, a, at an amphitheater, watching them sing and say, Mark Anthony has such a beautiful voice when he's trampled three precious daughters of men because he can't keep a marriage. We need to be able to understand that, that these attributes are the ones that bring our, our, our lives, our families to a total decay. I mean, could you imagine our daughters wanting to imitate the Kardashians? Is that who we put before them to want to be like? And it is. That's why they have their own reality TV show. The decay of gigantic um, uh, moral decadence where people begin to make bad choices, bad decisions, dishonor, disrespect, walking contrary. You cannot so dishonor and repent honor you can't so disrespect and 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 want respect to 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 thrive to flourish and finally the decay of religion faith was fading in the roman empire losing touch with life and becoming more and more unable to guide the people i want to suggest today that that there is a great place i, I remember growing up saying i wonder what's going to happen tomorrow guess what i learned whatever i sow whatever i cultivate whatever i water whatever i groom that it will blossom that will flourish. That will be fruitful. Whatever I attend to in those regards, the opposite of cultivate is to neglect. I see these principles all over the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 3.6, Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, I planted a seed. Apollos watered that seed. God will cause it to grow. One plants, one sows, one waters, and another reaps. Verse 7, so neither the one who plants is anything, nor the one who waters but God who gives growth to all. God who gives growth to all. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, the Bible promises that we will reap what we sow. Do not, do not expect to reap what you do not sow. This is our number one lesson in our marriage conferences when we share on save your marriage. Why do you come to your garden wanting to eat fruit that is sweet and precious and delicious when you have sown a lot of disrespect, discontent, uh, competition while the earth remains while the earth remains seed time and harvest time shall not cease the harvest cold heat winter summer day and night shall not cease these are these are cyclical realities if you if you're having a bad harvest and many people show up at church with rotten harvest and that's why they show up at church they're like pastor why is my life a mess 
I said, that's the old harvest. Let's start cultivating a new harvest. Let's start putting new seed. Let's start, uh, you know, watering that seed. And I promise you, guaranteed, you're going to have a different harvest. So you are going to only reap what you sow. And do not expect, let's go to uh, book of Songs of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 12. Which we'll show you there. Years ago, as, as couples would come to church, we would say, listen to me. I see in your wife's face resentment. I see in your husband's face bitterness. I see there's a lot of animosity taking place. Can you please come to me, uh, come with me to the Songs of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 12, and it says, you, my wife, are a garden. Oh, that figures. That's why she has the frown on her face, because that's the frown I have on my face. You cannot expect to harvest in your wife's life what you have not sown. There it is. My wife is a garden, verse 13. Your plants, what's growing in that garden, is an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruit, fragrance, heinart, spikenard, verse 14, spikenard and saffron, calamus, cinnamon, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and alloys, with all the chief spices. You are a fountain of gardens, verse 15. You're a well of living waters, Verse 16, awake, O north wind, awake, south wind. It's powerful. He's asking. Let's go to verse 16, please. There it is. The north wind brought in the winter. The south brought in the summer. It doesn't matter the season that's blowing upon your garden. What's going to flow out of it is the, the fragrance of the spices and the fruit. And eat pleasant fruit. Verse uh, chapter 5 verse 1 I have come to my garden I have come to to my garden who's my sister and my spouse and I've gathered everything I have growing there guess what a lot of people have growing there resentment thorns thistles desolation ruin uh, just uh, all manner of destruction and so if you're coming into your marriage and it's not pleasant I suggest you listen very well do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows is what he will reap. Whatever a man waters will flourish. Whatever a man cultivates will blossom. In these, uh, in these uh, patterns of understanding our life, and I told you when I was young, I thought anything goes. Everything goes. There is no method or behind the madness. There is no direction. I was just, 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 just wild and, you know, uh, the, the, the thoughts of go sow your wild oats, all those principles were, were twisted until I started saying, wait a second, whatever I sow, that's the, the harvest I could expect. Number two, it says we reap the same kind as we sow. God, God made it be that you cannot sow a mango seed and, and reap a watermelon. You can't sow a, a apple seed and get, uh, get a pumpkin. Whatever seed you're choosing. That's why for many years here at the church, we, we try to teach people to sow good seed, but then they come up with different harvests. Genesis 1.11, God said, Let the land produce vegetation. And plants yielding according to their kind. And trees bearing the fruit with seed in accordance to its kind. And so it was. Verse 12, the land produced vegetation. And every plant was yielded by the seed according to its kind. And the trees bearing the fruit with the seed according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And so we see that everything was to produce after their kind. Do not. 
and this has happened for years. There's good seed being planted in the hearts of your children, um, seeds of discipline, correction, exhortation, and the people leave here and they say, oh, you don't have to listen to the pastor. That's just for him because he's a special kind of guy. That's just for his family because they're like kind of a little weird. We're not weird. Well, guess what? You're going to produce after the kind of seed you're planting. And no one's going to be fooled. No one's going to be deceived. God will not be mocked. If you change the seed, then you have your harvest and your fruit. You have a different fruit. You have a different harvest. Romans 5.12 says, by, uh, So then sin entered the world by one man, and that sin that was sown spread to all people because all have sinned. Just that one seed produces a totally different harvest. A man said once that um, you can tell how many seeds are in an apple, but you can never tell how many apples are in a seed. You can plant one seed, and that'll bring forth a tree of apples, and that'll bring forth a tree of apples and an orchard of apples, and it'll be hundreds of thousands of millions of apples by one seed. You can tell how many seeds are in an apple, but you can never tell how many apples are in a seed. So when you sow things that are weird and kooky, da-da-da-da, you're going to get the kooky and the weird. You're going to get things that, that are mutations from the original. And we're very zealous about this. This principle that everything produces after its kind. God can never be mocked. Just as no one can sow peas and produce watermelon or breed donkeys to produce thoroughbreds, so no one who sows evil can produce good. We cannot sow discord and produce unity. We cannot sow lies and produce truth. We cannot sow sin and produce holiness. Number three, we reap in a different season than we sow. This is one of the principles that I couldn't stand because it requires patience. You reap in a different season than what you sow. What's that mean? I went out, my favorite flower is the gardenia. I love the gardenia flower. I could smell it. I wish um, I, we would have it. I went down to Home Depot and I bought a plant and I came home and, and I planted it and I watered it. And one week went by and two weeks went by and there was no flower. So I got angry and I pulled it out and I got mad and I put it away. And then God says, Joaquin, you plant in one season, but you'll reap in the springtime, not two weeks later. I wanted my fruit instantly. I wanted to see the efforts. People come to church for a month and say, I've been coming to the church for a whole month and nothing's happened. I tithed last week and nothing's happened. And they want instant reaping of, of, without understanding that you're going to reap in a different season than when you sow. The harvest never comes immediately after planting. There are seasons to life and harvest never comes immediately. Plants do not grow overnight, I learned. Athletes don't become strong and proficient in a week. Children aren't born overnight. Wisdom isn't gained overnight. So it goes throughout life. Galatians 6, 9, my favorite verse. My favorite verse. Do not grow weary of doing good. Why? Because when you're doing good, you get weary. Do not grow weary in doing good. If you're going to pay the price, it's going to cost you something. It's going to hurt. And this, this aspect of, of not growing weary, do not grow tired. Don't throw the towel. Don't give up. Listen to me. 30 years now pursuing Christ, and we're still moving in the direction of not allowing the devil to get us to grow weary. 
We could have been, we, we had a TV program here at the church several years ago. For two years in a row, from Monday to Friday, 6.30 to 7 and 12.30 to 1. Morning time and night time for two years. We did not get one single phone call of people going, we are proud of you. You're doing so good. It was amazing. You're there with T.D. Jakes and with Kenneth Copeland and Joyce Myers, and you're standing up strong in South Florida with a morning time and evening time Christian program. We didn't get one phone call. I learned in that season that our applause and our praise comes when we get to heaven. We don't know the impacts, what happened during those two years. We know everybody in Miami was watching the program. But we, don't, we didn't see any praise. We're not going to grow weary in doing good. Why? Because in due season, you will reap a harvest if you don't lose heart. Down the road, Rafael Contreras, don't grow weary. Keep on doing good. You're going to see a great harvest, sir. You're going to see a great harvest. When you're ready to stay in the course and, 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 and stand firm for the long haul. Don't grow weary in doing what is right. Because in due season, at the time when God says payday, reward day, now thumbs up, here's your promotion, then we're, woo! We know that God is faithful. And we understand the principles of sowing and reaping. At the appointed time, we will reap if we do not lose or relax our courage or faith. Psalm 126, verse 5, the same principle. Those that go out with tears, working the land is not easy. Ask my children when they come and do yard work with me. It's not easy. It says, um, let's go to Psalm, please. Psalm 126, verse 5. 126, verse 5. Those who sow with tears shall reap with joy. You know, I was waiting for 30 years for my best friend to come to the Lord. How many are waiting to, willing to wait 30 years for answered prayer? Guess what? I did. I'm going to wait. And that phone call came in. Joaquin, I want to give my heart to your God. I want to surrender to Jesus Christ. I want to come to the Lord. 30 years weeping, seeing him go through destruction, seeing him go through problems, seeing him go through hardship. What if I would have said, God, forget about it. This is taking too long. I would have never seen the fruit of having waited. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 says, put your bread on the waters so that after many days you may see a return. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. That's the principle of, of waiting for you to reap in a different season than the season which you sow. Verse 4, Ecclesiastes 11.4, he who looks at the wind will not sow. If you're looking at the circumstances, you're like, this is far gone. I'm not going to sow anything. This relationship is far gone. I'm not going to water anything. The Bible says, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Don't look at your circumstances. Get, dig your heels into the sand and do your cultivating the ground. Plow the ground, cultivate the ground, sow the seed, and wait for a glorious harvest. Water it. Keep the pest out. Don't let nobody mess with your garden. Verse 6, it says, in the morning you sow your seed, in the evening withhold not your hand, for you know not which shall prosper, whether this or that, whether, uh, whether both alike will be good. Don't cease in these principles. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there is an appointed season for everything under the heavens. You don't know the times God is going to move. You don't know what, what God's going to do something. Psalm 27.13, he says, I would have lost... 
lost our microphone. There you go. I would have lost despair unless I would have believed that I was going to see his goodness in the land of the living. I'm not going to let the devil say that when I'm sowing good, something wrong is going to come out. I'm not going to let him take advantage of the circumstances of the present moment. I would have despaired. I would have lost heart unless I would have believed. You have to believe that you would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. What is growing in the land of the living? That which you have sown. So therefore, verse 14, wait for the Lord and be strong. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait for that season. Number four, we reap more than we sow. How many have, have understood this? You do a little thing and a lot's coming back. You do a little thing and a lot's coming back. If you do a little good, a lot of good's coming back. But if you do a little bad, a lot of bad is coming back. And he says, but I didn't mean to do that. I know you didn't. Sin will always take you farther than you want to go, cost you to pay more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. That's a good one, right? Sin will always take you farther than you want to go. I didn't mean that. You didn't mean that. But you took a seed in that direction. So a little seed produces a whole harvest. And so we're angry. We're, we're vicious. We don't allow seed to fall anywhere near where we don't want to see that crop. That crop that comes to devour. And so here it is. David decided that he would go look, not go to war, and go look upon the neighbor's wife. And he desired her. That led to adultery. That led to murder. That led to consequences and curses in his family. How many, how many, I call it the devil's credit card. Ask for the statement before you pay the sin. Before you commit the sin and the purchase, ask for the statement. Because what you thought you were paying $10, you're paying 10000 when you thought it was just a little bit, it's just a little look, now it has destroyed your family. It destroyed your children. It has lodged in your heart as a seed that has taken root. So this man who was a man of God broke all one side of the laws of, the, the, of, laws of Moses, the second table of the law. He desired his wife's neighbor. He committed adultery. He led to commit murder. He stole and he bore false witness. He lied about it. These are like the signs in Alaska. The traffic signs in Alaska says, choose your route carefully because you're going to be in it for the next 200 miles. So that one sign that you miss will lead you to be on a traffic highway with no more signs for 200 miles in Alaska. So the same thing with sin. You missed that sign. You weren't paying attention. Now you're 200 miles into your sin and into destruction without an exit, without being able to de depart. So always remember that, that your sin... The, the sowing will bring you a larger harvest than you ever saw. Proverbs 13, 3, the one who guards his mouth preserves his life. For some of you, just one word causes all the destruction. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Just that one little word, that one little attitude, the little pretext, the little, that opens up of inferno fury of fire's hell. And you're saying, where did it come from? Because... You'll always reap more than you sow. Number five, we reap in proportion to what we sow. My point is this. To the measure that you sow, that's the measure you reap. It says there in, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. If you sow a lot, you get a lot back. With, uh, and he will, who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We started many years ago starting to, to sow into the nation. Sow. We give our lives. The people who question why my travel agent would say, why do you go to Mexico so much? 
you must be having an affair. Because there's not so much to see over there. I said, well, wait, when you see this girl, when you see the bride of Christ, you're going to want to go. When you see the beauties of the work of the Lord, then you will be going every six months like I do. And so when you, when you sow sparingly, and that's what we've been doing for the last 16 years. We've sowed, we've sowed, we sowed, we sowed, we sowed, we sowed, we sowed. We haven't said, well, if you guys give us, then we'll go. Well, how much is it going to cost? We've sowed, we've sowed, we've sowed. The harvest is gigantic. The harvest is awesome. The harvest is delicious. People don't understand it. If you want to be rich, open your hands and give. If you want to be poor, then withhold and grasp. If you want abundance, scatter broadly. But if you want needy, get yourself one of these rental storehouses and put all your stuff there and give nothing of it away. Because the world's philosophy is being practiced there. Get all you can. Can all you get and sit on the can. Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Share with no one. Make life only about you, your interests, your family, your children, your grandchildren. Forget about the orphans. Forget about the widows. Forget about the needy families. Forget about meeting the needs of other nations. People, some guy says, well, as long as you're going to Nicaragua, I'm not going to give my tithe no more. This is what a man said in this church. Guess what? He's not here no more. Nicaragua's here. We're here. We, we, we desire the prosperity of the nations. We desire that if we sow into the nations, we will reap from the nations. How many say amen? amen. It's just the prayers alone. Listen, the prayers alone. As we go to these nations to travel and we're giving our time. Listen, some, some years it's been five months out of the year that we leave Miami. To, not to go get something, to go give something. Not to take something, to give what God has given us. And those, those five months out of the year in different nations, these men and women that are appreciative of what we're doing, they're praying for us. They're praying for my family. They're praying for the church. They're praying for our prosperity. They're desiring our goodwill. And that's what we should be as the people of God. In Acts 20, verse 35, in everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord that it is better and more blessed to give than to receive. That is the philosophy of a Christian mind. We are sowing everywhere we go. This week, um, we were invited to a house to pray for a man who's dying. His elderly father, what touched my heart about this young man, his name is Juan. Juan says, Joaquin, there's something I want you to know. For the last 25 years, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast every day, lunch every day, dinner every day, and working all day with my father. And now he is sick and he's dying and I want you to come and pray for him. This is powerful. I, I went over there only because of that one son principle to honor his dad. He's not a Christian, but he's honored his father. God has opened up his company. He's super prosperous, super blessed because of keeping that one principle. So I'm going to his house to pray for his father and I'm with Pastor Jose Medeiros and I said, Jose, let's stop at a little grocery store here and let's get some tortillas and let's get some white cheese and let's get some orange juice. We're not only going to come and bring prayer. We're going to celebrate a feast. We're going to bring food. We're going we're gonna to set a table for these guys. They're going to be flipping out. They're going to say, this guy came to pray. And he's, he's prospering and blessing our family. Amen. He gathered all his sisters and all his brother-in-laws and, and his mom. And he had them. They're 15. Go figure. Um, but they, they were all there, and they see the pastor come to pray, but with tortillas, Mexican tortillas, white cheese, and orange juice, we're going to have a celebration. 
Because he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows in abundance is not thinking. Going over and beyond the measure. Not seeing what we can receive out of it, but being the people of God. God, Jesus Christ has showed us it's more blessed to give than to receive. Some of us have to turn that paradigm around. If you did, you would flourish like crazy. You wouldn't have to advertise no more. Luke 6.38, if you give, it will be given to you. If you have open sow, you're going to have open reaping. In good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be given to your bosom. For in the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You will reap in proportion to what you sow. Very important. Matthew 19, 29, everyone who has left and has been deprived of their houses, of their brothers and sisters or fathers, the time that we have left to pour into the nation, I can't tell you how rich we are. A lot of people are concerned. Well, if you leave your house for five months, that means you're not five months with your kids. They hate God. They hate God. They don't want you. My kids love God. My kids love church. My, God, my, my kids love to see the expressions of God's goodness in our life. They like to see the peace at home. They like to see the presence of God in our family. And there Jesus says, everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold inheritance, in, uh, uh, a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Uh, another version says a hundredfold in this lifetime, in this lifetime, in the measure of your gifting, there will be a return. Uh, we're following God's character in Romans 8.32 where it says he did not spare giving his only son. We're not giving leftovers, people. We're not giving leftovers. I hear an amen there somewhere. We do not give leftovers. Amen. We give the best. We give the best. I was thinking about you. So I, I wanted to give you my old shoes. No. No. I was thinking about you. So I, got, and I went and I, I want to bless you. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him together give us freely all things? Christ gave us his best, and he stands to continue to give us only his best. Ephesians 3.20 says, He does exceedingly abundantly beyond what we ask or think. When Christ is hearing our prayers, he's saying, Man, how could I put this on steroids? How could I put this at a thousand degree? What my son just asked for, I need to raise it up to be his powerful God. Whatever you give, make sure that it is in God's character and measure. Give the best. Don't be stingy. Be broad. Philippians 4.19 says, If you do so, he shall supply all your needs according to his wealth and riches in glory. He's going he's gonna to show forth the goodness in the expression of what you're giving. Number six, we reap the full harvest of the good only if we persevere. Some people do not stick around to wait for the blessing. 2 Thessalonians 3.13 But you brothers... 2 Thessalonians 3.13. But you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing what is right. Don't get tired in doing that which is right. Stick around to see the end of the story. Don't call it quits. I always use um, uh, Ted Turner's father. Ted Turner is the owner or was of CNN or the Turner, um, I forgot. It's a Turner Enterprise. He has all the, the, the cable television. Mary Jane Fonda. Ted Turner's father was in a business, he was a businessman, an enterprise. And he had a bad business and he lost everything and committed suicide. 
If he would have waited just some more years down the road, he would have seen that his son would become one of the wealthiest men in all the earth. But the devil lied to him and he cut it short. Him losing everything, he lost all hope and shot himself in the head. Now, if he would have waited, like the Bible says, to wait and to not grow weary and to make sure you see the end from the beginning, then he would have hung on. He would not have grown weary and lost his life to be able to enjoy what would sit in his son's bosom being one of the wealthiest men upon the earth. So this season doesn't define the next season. How many say amen? amen? It doesn't matter what's going on right now. You hang on to the end so you can see the end result of God's goodness. Many people have left the church because they have lost hope. They have lost waiting upon God. They've gone out to do the Abraham thing. What's the Abraham thing? They've run ahead of God and slept with Ishmael and now they have to contend with two families for the rest of their lives. Law number seven, we can't do anything about last year's harvest, but we can about this year's. Forget Philippians 3.13. Listen, whatever it was that happened in the past harvest, put it behind you. And that's where in Philippians 3.13, he says, forgetting those things which are behind. I don't want to remember the smell and the stench and the craziness and the chaos of what I did in a previous season of my life. I'm going to do it different. And then, just like I got a different harvest, I'm expecting a better harvest. I'm expecting to see the glories of God. And I always promise people that, 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 that are willing to step up in that regards, that they will see the glory of God. Even to this extent, Romans 8:28. whatever happened in the past, it works out for my good down the road. Whatever is the case, whatever, you, the most destroyed, desolate, ruined, sin-infested, rebellion-infested situation, it says, I know that all things work together for good. I'm going to use this as a stepping stone. I'm going to get to the next level of God's purpose in my life. It will work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Let's stand today. It's been a great day in the house of the Lord. It's been an awesome day in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Thank you, oh God. I needed that. Tell your neighbor, I needed that. I needed that. I'm ready to see God's glory. I'm, way, I'm ready to see his goodness. I'm ready to change the course with respect to allowing the devil to sow things in my life that shouldn't be there, to sneak in when I'm sleeping, when I'm, not, when I'm distracted. He's, he's throwing me a, an undercut here. He's sliding the tears under my table into my garden. You tell them, no way. No way. I stand to understand seed time and harvest time. Uh, the Bible says for us to, to pray that the Lord would send out more workers to the harvest because it's great and few are the workers. Um, ask God to give you the ability to speak this into the life of someone you know and your children, your marriage. And, and that's, that's my hope on a daily basis. Uh, Understanding these principles have allowed me to not have any surprises in my life, to be deliberate, purposeful, to be intentional about, okay, I need to cultivate land here. I need to cultivate a heart. I need to cultivate, you know, get the stone out. I need to get the, the hard places out. Sometimes we're plowing this field. Listen, the earlier part of this ministry, since everybody wanted the mainstream Christianity, don't make waves, just do what is being done. Don't talk about doing anything different. And everybody's like, just stay in the, in the broad, you know, path. I said, no, 
there has to be something more excellent and I'm willing to plow that field I mean, it's, it's hard you grab that plow and the rocks are there and they don't want to move but if we do not plow a different harvest than what our parents did before us we can't expect different fruit we can't expect a different Christianity uh, this mainstream watered-down gutless courageousless Christianity makes me want to throw up I don't want to be any any part of seeing you know the destruction on the families on marriages on children uh, bland men if you come on Monday nights to the men's meeting you know what I'm talking about we're intense listen in the last four months we've gone through these books ready first and second Timothy Titus we did the book of, um, of I believe it was Philemon then we went to Daniel and now we're almost finishing judges that's huge this is in this church in the last four months if you haven't been coming to men's meeting you're missing out on deliberate intentional deep uh, going through these passages in a marvelous way and guess what I believe because we're sowing well good seed into good hearts we're gonna have a powerful men's ministry in this church powerful bold men same thing with the women yes these three days what happened with the girls that was plowing the field that was sowing the seed that wasn't harvest time a lot of us think okay where's the harvest where's the harvest you're looking for harvest you haven't plowed you haven't sown seed you haven't cultivated you haven't watered it guess what there's no harvest for you there's no harvest for you you sowed the wind you're gonna reap the whirlwind you've done nothing you get nothing so do not expect that a lot of us come from parents who had that mentality so we reap the whirlwind how many reap the whirlwind I did brother I was going flipping flipping I was like Dorothy in the land of Oz the tornado hit our home I thank God that I did something different and my kids are reaping something different they're reaping a totally different harvest for God's glory if you want to start today let the good seed in let Jesus Christ in your heart cultivate that relationship let it be watered come to church regularly come you know at a minimum come when you're supposed to be here if it's a man meeting and last time you check you're a man you should be here if it's a man's meeting and last time you check you're a man you should be here on Monday nights 8 to 9 because what you sow is what you're gonna reap and so you can't have your wife's respect to a man because you're not living like a man you're irresponsible you're lazy you're not the spiritual leader in your home you're, you don't have a word of God for your family you're not overseeing the garden you've allowed the devil to deceive you father I thank you raise your hand if you want to start a new season in your life father I thank you look at the hands lifted up in your house father we give you thanks even for last season's harvest because that has brought us to where we're at right now and we just pray for your mercy and grace upon this church father we want to sow with excellence so that we might reap with excellence we want to sow into the spirit of man so that we might reap from their peace and true life of abundance father keep the devil and his snares away from our hearts all cynical unbelief irresponsible father God every attitude of apathy and indifference remove that harvest from our hearts so that we might be vibrant that we might be passionate that we might see your glory in the land of the living today in the house of God we have received the precious seed of your word father allow it to be cultivated and watered and grow and give forth the fruit 
that glorifies your name, a fruit of peace, joy, and righteousness in all things. I give you thanks for the families in this house. I pray that they would tithe and offer faithfully, O God, of the increase of their abundance so that you might also give unto them the sparing prosperity and blessings upon their home, their businesses, their finances, and that you might be glorified as we go into the nations to take good seed, to care about the families of other nations, that you might have mercy upon our family and the families in this church and this city. We give you thanks and we glorify your name and we bless you in the house of God and the people of God say amen, 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 amen.